1 Samuel chapter 17. And we're just going to look at a couple verses. You should be very familiar with 1 Samuel 17, of course, the account of David and Goliath. But I want to I kind of want to focus on something here that I hope will be a blessing and an encouragement to you, uh, not just now, but even in the future uh, in the ministry as well. 1 Samuel chapter uh, 17, and notice in verse 51. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and of Judah arose and shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Sharon even unto Gath, unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines, and they spoiled their tents. I want to preach on this subject this morning. Motivating giant killers. Motivating giant killers. Let's pray. Father, bless now the preaching of your word. And Lord, my request is very simple right now. Would you just help me to preach like I'm back home? Would you just give me that comfort and the ability to to articulate and think, uh, Father, and preach uh, like if I were right back in Nampa? Meet with us, we pray in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. A lot of times when when we read the story or the account of David and Goliath, I think that in our minds we kind of paint the picture somewhat like this. Of course, you have the enemy of being the Philistines, the, the large host uh, in array there on one side of the hill. Uh, and then, of course, you also have the representation of their enemy in the champion Goliath, daily coming out, uh, challenging the people of God to fight. And then you also have the Israelites themselves and, and the brothers of David kind of as the critics of David and, and those who, who are opposed uh, to David. And then you have, of course, David, the hero, uh, the man who, who is going to stand up for the Lord and do this great deed in taking down Goliath. And so it's almost like you have the Philistines, Goliath, the Israelites, and then you have David as kind of the sole good guy. But in all reality, that's not really true. When we read accounts like this, we have to remember that the Israelites are God's people. And we have to remember that, that, that they're loved by God and that God wants to bless the entire nation. God wants to bless David's brothers and God wants to bless every one of the men that are there in array. And God wants to give them their possession and their land and increase them. And so, so when we're looking at the Israelites, it's not like, okay, here's David and he's the sole good guy. It's also, hey, here are the Israelites and they're God's people and they're good people, but here's the deal. They're discouraged. They're overcome by fear. They've lost their shout. They've lost their willingness to fight. They've lost their desire to take, to take on the enemy. 
And, and here's, here's the truth about Christianity, and here's the truth about God's people, is that overall, overall, God's people do not just naturally or easily continually fight and continually demonstrate courage and continually charge forward. God's people struggle with discouragement. God's people struggle with fear. God's people struggle with, with taking on challenge after challenge after challenge and facing Goliath. And, and as you go through the ebbs and flows of Christianity, here's what you're going to see. That God's people that he loves and that he cares for, that, that on the whole struggle with having the courage and the consistency and the determination to fight. And David... And David comes on the scene, and here are God's people. The king is cowering. The people have created a culture of fear so that they are basically affirming each other because none of them are willing to fight. And that's the scene. Every one of us can be subject to this. Every one of us can get discouraged. Every one of us can have times where, where we get tired or we face something that seems too big for us. Or, or maybe after a setback after setback, we get tired of the challenge. We get tired of trying to rise up. And, and, and churches and, and people that go to Bible college and people in the ministry can struggle with discouragement and struggle with, with the willingness to fight and a willingness to serve and a willingness to take on the challenge that, that's before them. And so here comes David. Now, we understand that David was prepared by God for this day to fight Goliath. I mean, he himself says, hey, I fought a lion. I fought a bear. There have been times in my life where God has been preparing me in fighting this lion or in fighting this bear. He's prepared me to fight this giant. But wait a minute. That's not all David did. David also tended to sheep. Are you with me this morning? He also watched over sheep. And if... And if, and if killing a, a, a lion and killing a bear prepared him for Goliath, what did the sheep prepare him for? Here's what the sheep prepared him for, for God's people. You see, I want to submit to you that David wasn't just there in the Valley of Elah that day to slay Goliath. David wasn't just there to take down the great giant. David was also there positioned by God, prepared by God to encourage and motivate and inspire his own people. You see, he sent David, yes, to take down Goliath, but he also sent David to motivate his people so that they could experience his blessing and experience his power and charge forward and not be hindered by the Philistines. You know what a big part of being a Christian is? Is that God will place you among people who need to be encouraged. God will place you among people who need to be motivated. Some of you, you may have moms or you may have dads who once loved the Lord and, and once served the Lord and they used to be faithful and they used to serve and, and they used to be committed to the Lord but now maybe they've gotten a little discouraged and they've gotten a little fearful and they don't go to church faithfully anymore. Understand that God has positioned you in their life to help encourage them. Even in Bible college, someone next to you or someone that, that's a friend of yours may go through a period of time where they begin to struggle and they begin to think about getting out of school and they begin to think about not serving the Lord and not getting after it for God. And God has positioned you in their life to help them and encourage them and motivate them. 
God may give you a ministry. God may give you a bus route or, or a Sunday school class or some kind of place that you're ministering. And, and amongst those people, God has positioned you there to encourage them and to help motivate them to experience all that God has for them. You see, God doesn't just position you to defeat your Goliaths and for you to accomplish your vision God also puts you in position to help other people continue and other people serve and other people move forward for the Lord. That's why David's here. David's here to slay a giant. David's here to kill a Goliath. But David is also here to help these Israelites live and be what God has desired for them to be. Now, now let me just show you, remind us, what David did not use to motivate them. You see, there's many things, there's many methods that David could have used to motivate them. But I just want to highlight the things that did not motivate them to begin with. Titles did not move them. 1 Samuel chapter 8, 19, the Bible says this, Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel, and they said, Nay, but we will have a king over us, that we may also be like all the nations, and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. You go back to 1 Samuel 8, you know why they want a king? They want a king so they can be victorious. They want a king so that when other nations come against them, they'll win and, and they'll continue and they'll prosper. But wait a minute, they've got a king. They've got, they've got a king that's taller than anybody else in the valley. They've got a king, by the way, that was strong and was a mighty warrior. They've got a king that at one time took an oxen, chopped it up into 12 and FedExed it to all the tribes and said, get behind me or I'm going to take you down. But you know what? When, when their king called for them to motivate them to be willing to fight Goliath, nobody moved. It didn't matter. It did, at that time, the title didn't help anybody. The title didn't move Eliab. The title didn't move any of other David's brothers. The title didn't move any generals. The title didn't move any captains. The title didn't move anybody. Incentive didn't help them either. 1 Samuel 17, 25, the Bible says this. And the men of Israel said, Have ye seen this man that has come up? Surely to defy Israel is he come up. And it shall be that the man that killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. You know what Saul said? Saul said, hey... If anybody will fight Goliath, if anybody will stand up and take him on, I will give you my daughter. So I'm essentially making you a son. I'm essentially making you a prince. And you'll have all the honor. And you'll have all the recognition. And I'll make you extremely wealthy. And you will live tax-free for the rest of your life. He's saying, I'm willing to give you all this stuff. But wait a minute, nobody moved. Incentive, promise, that didn't move anybody. Great speeches didn't move him either. I mean, what could be a better speech than when David comes up, and the Bible says in 1 Samuel 17, 26, and David spake to the men that stood by him, saying, What shall be done to the man that killeth this Philistine, and taketh away the reproach from Israel? For who is the uncircumcised Philistine, that he should defy the armies of the living God? And then verse 29, the very famous uh, thing where David says, what have I now done? Is there not a cause? 
I'm telling you, probably one of the greatest speeches in all the Old Testament. One of the most motivating speeches in all the Old Testament. I mean, preachers use this over and over and over at youth conferences and leadership conferences and in their church. Is there not a cause? Who shall defy the armies of the living God? Yet when David said all of that, nobody moved. Titles didn't motivate. Incentive didn't motivate. Great speeches didn't motivate. Can I just, can I just tell you this morning that, that, that people, God's people, need more than a title to motivate them. When you graduate Bible college and you go and you, you have the opportunity to serve somewhere and you get a title or you get a position, you get youth pastor or you get bus captain or you become a pastor somewhere, just understand that just because you say, hey, I came from West Coast Baptist College, I came from the great Lancaster Baptist Church, and you can take that title and you can have that position, but that alone is not going to move people to live for the Lord. And you can tell and you can tell your parents you're going to Bible college or you can tell a family member who's wayward that you have this title but that alone isn't going to move people. And you can have great incentive. You can stand up before a group of people and you can cast a vision and you can tell them, "Hey, we're going to accomplish this and we're going to have this number on our bus route and we're going to do this and we're going to do that." And I mean, you can you can cast this great concept, but that alone will not motivate God's people. And you can spend your four years here learning how to rightly divide the word and preach incredible messages with powerful illustrations and you can quote uh, 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 stories and, and I mean you can be smooth in your transitions and you can yell and you can do all these different things but that alone, that alone will not motivate God's people. Do you know how many great orators go on a Saturday morning to go soul winning by themselves? Do you know do you know how many pastors have assembled incredible vision and great mission statements and see nobody respond? You see, you see, it takes more than a title, it takes more than a great speech. It takes, it takes more than promising and offering things to see God's people come from a state of indifference and lethargy and fear to rise up and fight for the Lord again. All those things are good and all those things are helpful, but it takes, it takes something more than that. Well, okay, that's, that's awesome. Okay, I, I know that's not what it's all going to do, but what is it going to take? Look, look, look at verse 51. Therefore David ran and stood upon the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of the sheath thereof and slew him and cut off his head therewith. And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, they fell. Let me tell you, let me tell you, David had a great speech. And David, David had been recognized as being quite a fighter. But let me tell you, that's not, that's not where David ended. Do you know what David did? David went down and fought Goliath. David went down and faced Goliath. When, when he was all alone, when there was, no, when, when there was no title, 
when there was no armies, when he had nothing behind him, he went down and he looked Goliath in the face and he ran towards him and he, and he threw that stone and he dropped Goliath to the ground. And he stood upon him and he took his head off and he held it up. Do you know what, do you know what David did? David, David demonstrated it. And David didn't just try to call people to being a giant killer. David showed them a giant killer. You know, preacher, I'm concerned in my generation and younger generations that we have too many experts. We have too many talkers. Everybody wants to write a blog. Everyone wants to write a book. Everybody wants to be the king of social media. Everybody wants to have great graphics and great slogans and great statements and, and great hashtags. Let me tell you something. That is not what we need. Do you know what we need? We need giant killers. We, we, what we need is we need people who actually walk with God. People who get up in the morning and read their Bible and seek the Lord and have His touch on their life. I mean, have His Spirit flowing through them. And people who have the joy of the Lord. And people who don't just talk about soul winning. And people don't just reference the place that they came from that soul win. But people who actually do soul winning and actually lead people to Christ. And actually spend time with people. And actually disciple people. And people who are actually investing their life to do something, not just talk about something. We have, more, we have more books on marriage than at any other time in history, yet our divorce rate is the worst ever in American history. We have more books about church than at any time, yet church numbers are declining greater than at any other time. Do you know why? Because there's, there's a lot of talking going on, and there's not enough doing do you, know what, do you know what your parents need? Look, if you have a parent or you have a sibling or you have a friend that's struggling, do you know what they need? They need more than a sermon. They need to see Jesus in your life. And when you go on Christmas break, do you know what they need to see? They don't need to, they don't need to hear you and all the things you have to say and all the things and all the titles. you know what they need to see? They need to see someone up early praying and reading their Bible. They need to so, see someone who loves them and shows them grace and shows them forgiveness. They need to see Jesus, not just hear about Jesus. We have, I've got some young guys, I'm young, but they're younger, and, you know, they're like, hey, pastor, you know, we ought to have a blog. And I'm not against blogs. But you know, you, know what, you, know what I've, you know what I've told them? Our church is our blog. Just get to work and let's do something here. And, and I think it was the Apostle Paul, I read it this morning, who said, uh, he said, we don't need letters of commendation. He said to the church of Corinth, he said, you are our letter. You know what he was saying? He was saying that the spirit of God's work through them in their life was his commendation. That was the proof of who he was. David, David, David spoke right. David had the backing of the king. But above all, here's what I want you to note about David. David himself, himself was a giant killer. 
That's what we need. We need people who themselves, themselves walk with God and serve the Lord and do something for God and do something by the power of God and not just talk about it and not just hide behind the title and not just reference what they did at this place or at that place, but where people can actually see it manifest in their life in the present. Don't answer this, but let me ask you, are you a talker or are you a doer? I went to Bible college. There, there were some impressive people in Bible college. They looked good. They dressed good. I'm talking, I'm talking at, our, at Bible college. I don't know if you all do this anymore. When I was in school, they had like to see who could have the shiniest shoes. I'm talking you could see people's faces in their shoes. Half those guys aren't even in the ministry anymore. You know why? Because they were talkers. But they didn't walk with God. They weren't giant killers in their own life. They, they were quick to get up and preach a great sermon about Romans and slaying sin, but they weren't slaying sin in their own life. The people that you, minister, that you will minister to, whether it's your family or your friends in college... They, they will eventually perceive who you really are. And that is what will move them. So, so, so he, 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 he does it. <laughs> what happens? Well, look at, look at verse 52. And the men of Israel... And of Judah arose and shouted. See, that's, that's a key word. It wasn't just like at a basketball game, people shouting. In, in, in war, shouting, shouting was this idea of raising up your courage. When, when men would go to war, when men would go to battle, they would shout. And it would be the inciting of adrenaline and courage. And in shouting, they were bringing up this boldness to go and to fight. Because fighting is a hard thing. Fighting is a bloody thing, and it would take a determination, and it would take a boldness, and it would take a courage. And so here's what happened. These men who had been cowering, these men who had no shout, these men who had no conviction, these men who had no strength, suddenly they see David, and they see the head of the giant, and suddenly the courage rises, and the shout comes, and they're ready to do something for God. And look what happens. And they shouted and pursued the Philistines until thou come to the valley and to the gates of Ekron. And, and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Shereem, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. So they didn't just shout. I mean, they're charging and they're pursuing and they're chasing after the Philistines and they're wiping them out and they're going after them. In verse 53, and the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines and they spoiled their tents. This, this, this culture of fear was suddenly broken. And these men were becoming what God wanted them to be. Full of faith and boldness and courage. And they chased the Philistines. And they slew them. And they, they went into their tents and spoiled their tents. And they came back victorious. 
Let me tell you one of, the, one, of the, one of my favorite things about the ministry. One of the things I love is to see when God's people are fearful or God's people are struggling or, or when God's men are getting down and, and to see when God encourages them and they start to get excited again and they start to come back to Wednesday night service and they stop sitting in the back row and they come up to the second row. I mean, they got their Bibles and they got their notes and they're excited to hear from God again and they start coming out on visitation again and they start serving the Lord. It's a wonderful thing to see God break into a place and God move in a great way. And all all down the valley chasing the Philistines were God's people. Statement. Motivating giant killers requires being one. You want, to motiv- you want to motivate someone to walk with the Lord? You walk with the Lord. You want to motivate a group of people to lead people to Jesus Christ? You lead people to Jesus Christ. I remember we had an intern come one year. Uh, to I was on staff at Hillcrest Baptist Church in El Paso. We had an intern come one year from a place and Man, he got up on a Wednesday night and he preached on soul winning and he smacked the pulpit and he was, I mean, he was going, he was rabid. I mean, he was nuts. Yeah, y'all, we ought to all be out here on soul winning. The entire time he was there, he didn't leave one person in Christ. And I remember thinking, hey, I understand it's not a numbers deal, but I'm just saying, if you're going to get up and preach like that, You better demonstrate something. Let me just tell you, when I came to this passage, preacher, this is one of the things I ask myself. Whenever I find myself at a stalemate as a leader, and, I, and God's people aren't getting somewhere, or a person in the church isn't getting somewhere that I want them to be here, is always my first question from this. Can they see it in me? My kids... My daughter's 13 years old, scary, scaring me to death. I want my daughter to love the Lord. But you know what I have to start with? Can she see the love for the Lord in me like I want her to have? Can the married couples in the church that I pastor, can they see in my marriage the kind of marriage that I want them to have? When my kids wake up in the morning, what am I doing? Am I, am I watching Fox News or am I, am I texting? Or can they see me reading my Bible and seeking the Lord? See, if, if you want to motivate, if you want to motivate giant killers, it starts by being one. You're in a special place. I know you hear that a lot. You are in a special place. But let me tell you what would be a tragedy. For you to think that just because you came to a special place, that somehow you're going to go out to somewhere else and God's just going to show up and make it happen. You have to be in a special place and you have to let what is special about that place be in you. 
And if what is special about this place isn't in you, it's not going to go wherever you're going to go. A couple statements. We're going to wrap her up. Finish this semester with a shout. Now, you might be working a lot of hours. You might be discouraged. You might not feel like you're good enough. You might not feel like you're cutting it. Seek the Lord in prayer. And ask God to help you reach down deep. And to face the next day with a shout. And have courage. I think the Apostle Paul said it this way. Endure hardness as a good soldier. Finish this semester strong. Number two, seek to be a doer, not a talker. I'm not against, I'm not against social media. I'm not against books. But I would prefer to read social media and books from people that have done something. Seek to be a doer, not a talker. Does God have you in a place, in a relationship, where God's saying, I'm putting you there to motivate? Are you being what you're supposed to be? May God, may God help us to see that when he puts us somewhere, it's not to just face our own giants. It's to encourage those who are afraid to take on theirs as well. And we motivate giant killers by being one ourselves.